Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. everybody how's it going welcome to the raptors weekly podcast i'm your samson folk and today a a group chat type thing i guess i haven't really done this i don't think anybody's really done this on the raptors republic channel since s and his like uh joke slash basketball who's whose take is it anyway show that he used to do which was great he's now moved on to doing other things of course but we're talking about draft uh draft guys people that the raptors might target and uh, wishful thinking for really high-level players to fall, maybe some underrated guys that we can look at, and we'll be talking about their skills, uh, how they might fit with the Raptors. And with me today is Nabil, Trayvon Heath, and Goose. And so you might recognize them from Twitter. Uh, All of them dabble in the Raptors. All of them dabble in draft takes. And uh, if I can give you a background, um, Hoop Goose has been on this podcast. Well, actually, everybody's been on this podcast before. So if you're a very faithful listener, uh, hopefully you recognize them, but if I can give you a background, um, Hoop Goose is uh, down in the bottom right corner currently. Oh. Let me just stretch this out so it's everybody equal. There we go. Everybody nice and tight. But I tell you this, they all watch NCAA. They all watch a little bit of Europe. They all watch a little bit of high school. They uh, they care about hoops, and this manifests in, in fandom and in analysis, and we're here to get after it. So the first thing I want to ask, actually, is I'm going to go to you, Goose. Who is your ideal Raptors draft pick at 33? And you, you can you choose whoever you want, really. Blake Wesley from uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the reasoning there? Okay. the The quick pitch is that he's like just a shooting guard with like great tools, it's like long, athletic, really quick off the bounce. He's able to create his own shot, and I really like what he can do defensively. Right now, his game is more pieces than like a whole, but I think once you put it together, you have something that fits really well with the Raptors. Okay. Uh, Nabil, Trayvon, do you guys have any thoughts on Blake Wesley? I, I like Blake Wesley a lot. It's it's not a it's not a very Raptors C pick, I will say, just because A, he's yeah. he's he's not six nine. <laughs> um, but he does have like a large plus wingspan. He gets to the rim a lot. And um, he's shown that he can be a playmaker in certain situations. So I don't see it being a really a bad pick, especially like how weak um, the Raptors are, especially in their guard depth. Okay. Nabil, any thoughts on uh, Mr. Wesley? Yeah. Um, not to compare these two guys, but it kind of reminds me a bit of like the Turquavion Smith pick in the sense that like this is a like, really young guard that has, you know, uh, really nice physical tools and and has some upside. And, and I think there are certain aspects of his game where like he potentially – not contribute immediately, but could, could be effective for the Raptors. But yeah, no, like similar to what Goose and Trey said, Blake, Blake Wesley's a really, really intriguing guard prospect. And I'd, if he does fall to 33, I mean, it'd be incredible. 
No, I just I just like the Terquavion comp because they're they're very similar, but I think Wesley is just better. So anybody who liked Turk, I think they would like Wesley too. Mm. And, and sticking with you, Nabil, who, who's your ideal guy at number 33? All right. Uh, Ontario, I think Mississauga, Ontario's very own Caleb Houston would be my pick at 33. Um, played on a stack team at Montverde, played at Michigan, 6'8", 6'10", wingspan, I believe, something like that. Really long shooter, has a lot of movement shooter upside. Um, obviously, he you know, had an inconsistent season at Michigan and, and probably didn't shoot the ball as well as, as, you know, people wanted to or what people expected. But I think at 6'8", um, with his, you know, shooting ability, especially in today's NBA, you look at guys like Cam Johnson, Duncan Robinson, that, you know, that have recently come into the NBA that, that had size and had, you know, not exact shooting ability, but, you know, comparable at least uh, shooting ability. I think it's, it's a nice bet to take. And he's young. You know, those guys came into the league much older. I think Cam Johnson was like 22, 23. I think Duncan Robinson was also older. Uh, Caleb Houston's still only 19 years old, I believe. So, yeah, youth, size, shooting uh, in the second round, I'll, I'll take that upside. So when we think about movement shooters and how they've kind of been mitigated in playoff series in the past, and not every team is able to do this, but a lot of the high-level ones can kind of shake up how they approach, how they're attacking perimeter actions. What are your thoughts of his skill set translating to being able to counter that kind of stuff? I don't think he's an excellent movement shooter right now. It, I think obviously there's there's he showed a lot of flashes and potential for it, but I don't think it's like a consistent part of his game just yet, especially, you know, being able to shoot the ball consistently off of movement. But um, in terms of things uh, he could bring to the game where, you know, obviously we've seen the playoffs, you know, movement shooters are people who are sort of like one dimensional shooters get schemed a lot. That's where I think he kind of sets himself apart from the pack. Uh, again, Michigan was tough. He, he didn't get to show a lot. It was kind of an inconsistent up and down season. But if you take sort of what you've seen at the high school level and then his FIBA tape, especially at the U19 level, there's a lot of flashes he showed both, you know, with the ball and without the ball, uh, making plays, uh, being able to, you know, make reads and, and, and make those, you know, dump off passes or secondary passes and, and show some secondary playmaking chops. Uh, and then also just being able to, you know, lead the break and, and be somewhat of a pull-up threat. And again, he did that more at the U19 level, but Robel actually, I think was on PD's, uh, PD web. Uh, I think he was on his, his Twitch stream, like, uh, almost let's watch film. Yeah. Let's watch film almost a year ago. And, and he had a great breakdown on it, you know, just like looking at tape of, of him playing in the U19 and, and, you know, seeing that ability to, you know, not only shoot, but also, you know, do some more things uh, with the ball, create for himself a little bit for others and shoot off the dribble and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, I think that those things all in conjunction would be things I'd bet on in terms of upside where, you know, uh, as he develops, he will be able to, you know, counter teams, you know, uh, top walking him and, and, you know, preventing those, those, you know, wide uh, pin downs or you know coming off DHOs or stuff like that. That's uh, probably Robel's last like public works before he went to draft Twitter in the sky, i.e. NBA work. Uh, Goose Trey, do either of you have uh, thoughts on Houston? I I don't know if I would draft him with uh, the movement shooting in mind because I I don't know if I've seen him like do it that much, like especially in college where he was mostly just kind of more like stationary shooting. And I think that's uh, maybe 
it's something that you can find out more in like a workout type thing where you're kind of running through those drills and stuff. But I don't know if that's really like his main appeal, but mm -hmm. I do think you you didn't really talk about uh, his defense, which I think is a plus. But yeah, that's yeah, that's I, my I, fault. That's yeah. that's the limitation yeah. of my asking about movement shooting. What what else are yeah. you looking for from Houston? I think it was less like I, I think the pitch for him is less Duncan Robinson and more like Danny Green. Like just he's not as like this pull out all the stops offensive weapon thing, but like he's a reliable shooter and then just defensively he's somebody who's always in the right spot. I don't know if he's as good as Danny. On that end but he is bigger and you know this is the second round we're not going to get like you know like flawless prospects either so it's kind of like not not one of the best three and d wings of the past like decade yeah, yeah i think danny is kind of underrated but now we're going off topic so trey any any houston thoughts i'm, I'm a truther I, I would love that pick um i think um the cool thing about caleb is his role in high school is probably what he's going to be doing in the NBA. And I think that's really applicable here. Whereas uh, in Mount Verde, he was playing with a bunch of guys who can create, guys who can get downhill and pass with Scotty, uh, Moses, and Cade, obviously. Um, and he showed that he can shoot, play his role, and, and defend at a uh, plus level. He, he fits our long, lanky situation that we're trying to really do. And I think he has some upside as a passer. He ha has some struggles getting downhill, but when he's able to create separation or come off a pin down, he's been able to make the right decision and and find a big at times. So I, I'd be pretty happy with that pick. Does anybody have any idea or thoughts on how he might fit in uh, next to the current Raptors situation? Like Thad and Boucher are technically up in the air, but a lot of the roster is set for, you know, lack of a better term. And so is there situations that you've seen other players succeed on the Raptors in that you think Houston could just plug in as? And and anybody feel free to take this one. Um, I would say he would probably fit the role that the Raptors probably imagined for Utah, um, where a uh, wing wing shooter that it crashes the boards just like the bigs who can defend um versatile fours defend some wings at times and it gives us a, probably a bit more scheme flexibility just because we have more players that can guard actual wings so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't mind it i think he actually would be able to play pretty much i, right I was i was i was gonna say that too like you know but his like three is actually going <laughs> <laughs> What's that? to to go back to you, Nabil, since this is your suggestion and, and we kind of we've glazed over the defense to to some effect. But when we think about fitting into the Raptors scheme, uh, is, is this a guy who you think like, is he going to be sliding down to play big and rotate towards the rim? Or is he typically going to be fitting in like there, there's a place that you can exist between Pascal and Fred on the roster? But there's also, you know. If you're one of the three biggest guys on the floor for the Raptors at any point in time, you probably are rotating towards the rim. So uh, what are the expectations defensively, maybe? I haven't watched a ton of his defensive tape, but but Goose brings up a good point. I He's probably not you know the greatest one-on-one -on -one defender at this age, but I think he's a pretty solid positional uh, uh, team defense guy. Um, now, as far as the Raptors go, is that, that, that's the one concern I, I think I do have a, a little bit. You know, obviously the Raptors really want to help with the nail and, and send a bunch of guys over and scramble a lot, being able to X out and, and hit all your rotations cleanly. I see him. I don't know if he'll go to 
directly towards the rim, but it's more like the low man where he kind of like sinks down as the ball goes to like the wing in the corner. And then he'll be the guy sort of like Xing out towards the wing and and, and sort of, you know, operating on the weak side and and, and rotating there if, if he is to fit in. But I do think just kind of like what we've come to know with Nick Nurse and his defensive schemes, it it might be tough for him to to grasp that at first. So I wouldn't expect him to play immediately. Honestly, my whole thing with, and Goose mentioned this as well, the, the movement shooting is more of like a bet on his upside and the flash is materializing. Yeah. He's definitely a catch and shoot guy first and foremost. And I think if he was to to get any minutes, it'd be there. But yeah, um, defensively, I, I don't know if you'll, you know, I, I don't see him sort of being able to help at the rim or, or rotating down there more, but more as like the low guy. And, and one last question on, on Houston, if anybody, so stationary shooting, does that extend to being able to like pump, pound, dribble, hit, you know, pump, pound, dribble, take a step in like all these and then make like a read? Or is this basically we're thinking of Shane Battier in 2012 or something like that? Um, a little bit of the the JJ Redick where you had the sidestep. You have sort of the dribble out in front of you to to create more space as as defenders are running at you. Maybe you know stepping in for some mid ranges. I think he does have that, and he has flashed that uh, quite a bit. Um, but again, I think you know uh, it, it won't be so much off movement, right? Like you said, it'll be off you know stationary catch and shoot type of stuff. So yeah, I think he does have a bit of a repertoire right now and some dribble moves to be able to you know make some effective counters. But those are all. Those things are all a work in progress at this stage, I would think. Any uh, any Caleb Houston parting shots for anybody that you think we might have missed? I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah, sure. Then Trey, who's who's your guy at thirty three? Uh, the guy that will make me shed a tear if we select him, um, Jalen Williams from Arkansas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there we go. Um, I think what we've seen like through the last like few years of the playoffs that, that there was like an overcorrection on these bigs that are that that are super switchable that are regarding wings like a Bam for example or Anthony Davis that um, guys like Al Horford, Brooke Lopez have been super impactful in a in a drop defense, being good positional defenders and affecting the game. I think Jalen Williams is a playoff top type player. He's a great passer, good post defender. He's shown that he can be somewhat scheme versatile. They mostly play drop in Arkansas, but he was a very good defender. And he draws charges. It's probably his his best his best skill out of out of everything is that he draws charges at a very high rate. And he's although not the athletic um, rim rim protector that we typically see, he's he generates a decent amount of blocks just simply being in the right position. And this would probably help the Raptors. Um, one thing I think we've all seen over the last couple of years is that um, the Luca types, the Trey Young types, the guys that are able to pass guys open, make multi-read passes against the Raptors, really sprinting at the nail and trying to disturb those passers, gets gets killed very often. I think with Jalen, we'll be able to play a bit more drop um, and still be okay offensively because he's able to pass and actually um, generate some looks for people like a la like a Marcus. So I'm not saying he's as good as him obviously, mm-hmm. but um, in a similar fashion. This was uh, this is what Evan talked about. And we had uh, probably like a 30 minute conversation on Jalen. And he seemed encouraged by being able to drop at the NBA level. He was questioning the scheme versatility a little bit, but he also he, he really liked the passing. And I think it's 70 charges he took 
over his collegiate career, like 1.1 blocks per game. That's a really unique, um, just like if you were in a data set query, like who gets this many charges and this many blocks, probably it would only return Jalen Williams. So uh, the the passing and stuff like that, not Marcus Saul, but they run delay action. They run like split action and short rolling with guys like Thad in particular and and some with Scotty, like those those dribble handoff sets and keeper plays and stuff like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen as far as operating in that sense along with the Raptors? Um, I think we already saw like the impact Thad had in um, in that position, finding Pascal, giving Scotty great looks. Scotty's a great cutter. So I think Jalen would be able to come in bench lineups, particularly I, I, towards the end of the year, Scotty was leading a lot of those bench lineups and provide looks where we can get actual guys downhill. Because the, the one thing the Raptors really struggle is, is finding easy looks. We see Pascal having to do two, three moves to get to get to the actual paint. Fred is taking 40 foot bombs. Um, one of the things we missed probably from that 2019 team is just someone that is at the nail. It's drawing some sort of attention when if he gets a switch on a, a small and is able to pass and be able to find people for easy looks. Um, Goose, when we think about Jalen Williams and, and I know you like Jalen Williams a lot, so I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, but if he's going to succeed defensively, it's probably going to feature drop at the NBA. Maybe, maybe some other things too, but what is your, how much faith do you have in Nick Nurse to feature him as a drop defender as a young player on a rookie scale contract? Because Kem did play drop for the Raptors. They played quite a bit of drop with Kem this year, but that wasn't their most potent defensive lineup. So I'm curious what you think about Jalen dictating that the Raptors do a bit of change of scheme, maybe even just as a change of pace. I think I think that they, he would he would get a chance at least because. I think that Nick really likes to mix up the schemes, you know? I don't think that he would be like, oh, we're never playing drop, or okay, we're putting Jalen in, we're going to play some drop, he's going to run a little bit of uh, offense on the other end, you know, draw some charges. And I think there's a really interesting conversation you can have about Jalen and rim protection and what rim protection actually is in terms of just, like, preventing guys from scoring at the rim or not just like blocks and you know stuff like that okay um what what is rim protection to you i, I think i think at the most basic it's just like preventing someone from scoring at the rim or this doesn't have to be preventing really like uh i think mark is a good example when he was here where he averaged like i think less than a block a game but he, he always put he was always in front of the rim and he always made it tough to score like you had to score either through him or above him so even though players would, I think statistically they shot okay with Mark there. It was more of like, a, okay, well, we can't really attempt to shot because Mark's right in front of the rim. I think with Jalen, you have something similar where, okay, well, Jalen either draw a charge or he'll be in the right spot where, okay, this guy can't come up and like a layup or whatever, which maybe you can say that you kind of already have that with Precious, but I think I think it's an interesting conversation because – I think adding drop to the toolkit is a good thing. Yeah, and Nabil, what are your thoughts on on Jalen Williams? Not not of uh, Auburn, but of Arkansas. I just heard Trey talk about charges, and I'm like, damn, Kyle Lowry propaganda and anti Nate Duncan propaganda in one swoop. <laughs> My God. We and anti anti Mark Schindler propaganda too. Yes. Another famous enemy of the charge. Charges are well. cool. There you go. I I I don't know about it. Like so. We're friends with the creator of the Ethical Hoops 
uh, term, but is a charge ethical from a big man perspective? Because I consider it ethical for a small guy to take a charge because what other means do you have to protect the rim? But when bigs start taking charges like Ersan Ilyasova, it starts to look like a scam. So, yeah, but I, hey, we've had scammers on the team before. I'd accept a, a prolific scammer again. What Jalen does is not ethical. <laughs> he is very shameless about it. It's not even like just under the rim. Like he'll draw charges on the wing and just like even in transition and everything. So it's not it's not ethical at all. He's a he's a pass and crash charge taker too. Like it's it's not just on shot attempts. Yeah. He's he's sliding under the passer and stuff like that. So yeah. Uh any any Jalen well, actually, is anybody here high on Jalen Williams turning his jumper into something? Uh I, I think I don't think he's gonna be like a great shooter, just based off what we've seen. But I think the thing that does get underrated with him is uh his ability to just like move on offense like he's not as static as like comparisons as like mark would have you be offensively like he's a guy that can uh be in the corner take one dribble and like have like a fluidish layup like i don't i think his offensive upside is kind of being undersold with oh he's just a passer type stuff mm. it's, he has good touch yeah, I think yeah. He, have, I think he, have he, has, a he has a floater, floater game. Yeah, floater game. Okay. And, yeah, go, go uh, ahead, Nabil. No, I just wanted to ask. I, you guys have definitely watched more Jalen Williams than I have, but from the stuff I have seen, what do you what do you guys think of like some version of like Joakim Noah as a comp for him? Well, we I, know I what I he, think about comps. <laughs> yes, this isn't the show for comps, but I think I think old man Horford is like the closest I've seen of uh, getting close to what you what an optimistic version of his play style would be. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think we also seals on offense is an underrated thing for a big to do. Guys who are constantly putting guys on their back as they move through the interior, just in case a drive comes, in case somebody else cuts and, and drags somebody away, or you know, a lane opens up to the rim or anything like that. And as far as like clearing out his own space, not only as a guy who's going to seal for position, Trey alluded to getting a mismatch and being able to score at times, but also um, getting after it on the offensive glass. Is anybody interested in? Um, promoting some some Jalen propaganda about being a terrific offensive rebounder, or what's the situation there? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> that's, no, no, that's that's totally fine. So the the thing we'll move on to then is in the second round, it's tough to just look at a player, and this kind of happened when I talked to Francis, and every guy he talked about had like this massive glaring flaw that you say, it's kind of hard to, you know, project him at the NBA level because he's so bad at this one thing. And that's what you're doing at the second round is you're trying to um, pick the thing that will adjust, that will translate. And so I'm curious, just we're going to go from Trey to Nabil to Goose. What is the number one thing you're trying to, and not in a best player available sense, but when you're in the doldrums of the second round, what are you trying to make sure you hit on for sure. What are you what are you really confident you can find that will translate? I I think um especially in this draft, someone that plays defense 
is is probably the one thing that you can find. There's guys like Vince Williams that are probably going to get drafted low second round is going to play 10 minutes for a team and provide good defense. Um, another thing I would say is generally passing. There's a lot of guys like, say, like a Dal and Terry that can't shoot at all, really, or to a degree, but provide some plus passing. And, and you could see in a half-court setting where they're able to still be a, be a plus because they have a plus skill. Nabil? Um, yeah, I think, I think in the second round, especially in the early second round where we just happen to be picking, um, I think it depends. Generally speaking, I, I, you know, I like to look for, you know, NBA ready skill sets, but I think that also is a function of, you know, where you are as a team. I think where the Raptors are now, we're kind of like in this weird spot where, you know, we could sort of, you know, focus and, and, and go all in, or, or maybe, you know, if, if, if you're willing to take a, you know, shot on someone who has like high upside, maybe one of those distressed late first round at, you know, prospects like sort of fell towards the early second round that you have an opportunity to take. Um, I always say, or like for me, I think regardless, you should always at, at, at that stage, try to take a swing and go for high upside. But of course, I think it's so dependent on, you know, the, the team and, and their needs. And I guess what, what phase and contention that they're in. Is is Houston the upside for you? That's like the the swing then, or is there a different guy? If I had to go full swing, mm-hmm. I think I'd go for someone like Josh Minot or something like that. Like just super super raw wing, super super young, showed ridiculous flashes as like a, a super athlete. And yeah, like you stick him in the G League for like one to two years and 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 see where he's at and reevaluate from there. Hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to my not, but uh, Goose, what are you, what are you trying to pick up in the second round? I'm just looking for like any like outlier, just outlier anything really. Cause I think in the second round, there's usually a lot of guys that are like, I think Francis talked about this too, where it's like, yeah, I like these generalists, but these generalists come and they don't really impact the game. And then it's just tough for them to get on the court and, you know, like develop if there's no, if, if you're an NBA coach and you have a second rounder, you need to be able to point to him and say, okay, come in the game, do this for us. And that's your like 10 minutes or whatever. So it's kind of tough for someone who doesn't have like an outlier skill set to just get the NBA minutes and, you know, develop from there. I think Malcolm Miller is probably a good example of that. You know, he did a lot of things at like an okay level and everybody yeah. was waiting with bated breath to see the three point shot kind of sit around like, probably 38% and upwards on decent volume, but it never did at the NBA level. So it just kind of, yeah, you're waiting on that outlier skill. Is there an outlier skill swing? Uh, is it Wesley or, or do you have other guys in mind as far as that? All, all, all my, all my guys are swings. <laughs> let's, let's have the, the, let's have the list then. The, the guy that I think is really interesting to talk about is uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. And this, this, the outlier swing for him is just like being a six ten like shot maker, especially from three point line. So the he had a really bad season, which is why we can talk about him on thirty third because he came in mm-hmm. as like a top five prospect or whatever, and like similar to uh, Jabari Jabari Smith, who is uh, probably going to go number one. His game is kind of that same sort of pitch where you have this like huge shooter with some fluidity and ability to create for himself. He had a really rough 11 games in college. He had an even worse combine where I think he has like the third worst vertical ever. But that's the kind of guy you can look oh, at yeah. and say, okay, yeah, 
<laughs> I think that's the kind of guy you can look at and say, okay, well, there's still potential for you to impact an NBA game at a high level with a pretty valuable skill set, which is, you know, like three points, three point creation at like 6'10. And it's like, okay, well, we can swing on this guy. And since we're the Raptors, maybe we can figure out how to translate his talent to the NBA level. That confused the hell out of me, man. I remember watching that. You guys, we were talking about it and I was kind of freaking out. Seeing seeing his pull up and the weight transfer and the coordination. And I was like, how does this not translate to higher than a 26-inch vertical? Everybody here probably jumps at like 26 or higher. It, for an NBA player, not to have a vertical iron, it blows my mind. But yeah, anyway, that that is really intriguing. Um, yeah, PBJ is really interesting. That's Francis told me to watch his film. He said that was the guy he wanted me to look into. So in the coming days, that's kind of what I'm gonna do. Um, is there a swing for you, Trey? Um, I would I would say most of the guys I like are I would say are people I think are going to make the rotation and actually play because the Raptors like opportunity costs being a, like not a small market team, but like people that doesn't attract free agents is like massive on missing picks. But if we were to swing, it would be Dominic Barlow from, from overtime. Um, he didn't play the greatest comp, obviously. Like it's kind of hard to assess even how good overtime is basically because their first year, but he looks great at the combine. Like a short thing on him is um, he's six, nine with um, plus wingspan. He, he shot around 36% from three. 76% from the free throw line. Um, he's shown some ability to pass off the move. He's um, took the ball up um, and ran the offense at a few moments at, at the time. And um, he showed some, some ability to finish at the rim, especially at the combine. He um, made a lot of contact layups and was able to score. I, I look at him in, in the sense of he um, is probably won't make the rotation for two years. He's probably in the 905, but he could be, a guy that's another connector on our team that could actually hit threes and defend multiple positions, which would be like a huge plus in like a playoff scenario. That's, that's a really interesting strategy is you, you could do the big swing guy for the nine Oh five stash. And that kind of brings you maybe to the end of the Pascal Fred era where perhaps the Raptors could be transitioning away from Heavy like the the way that their usage hierarchy is dictated, or even you know whoever's on the team at that point is pairing next to Scotty. So that that is a really intriguing idea. Like a couple of you guys have mentioned that, put a guy on the nine hundred five, see what happens. That's as far as timeline. I think that's a really unique way to kind of um, dance around it. And and as you said, Trey, you don't want to miss on picks because you're not going to get good deals on free agents really, unless well, I guess we'll see what happens, but. Yeah. The Raptors typically haven't been able to get those steals or anything like that. I mean, I thought Svi was, and now they're on the hook for his player option. What a strange contract that is. I've never seen a guy get a player option like that before. Um, Minot. I'm curious if we can sit down with Minot because Francis also seemed pretty intrigued with him. And uh, how many of you, let's let's raise our hands, obviously Nabil, but who, who's in on Minot and who considers him an intriguing prospect? <laughs> Nabil. Okay, Nabil. Let's go back to Minot. I'm curious what you think about him and uh why why does he pique your interest? Wow, this is the draft version of my Gary Trent Jr. takes. Um <laughs> just alone on an island. <laughs> um Minot, Minot's interesting. He's 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 like 19, 20 years old. He's six eight, 
6'11 wingspan, although I think that's an unofficial reading because I don't think he measured at the combine. Um, uh, apologies if he did. And, Is that just from you looking really hard? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I eyeballed it, and I yeah. tried to <laughs> look at other players standing next to him on the court. But, um, yeah, he just has this unbelievable motor, and he uh, is, is incredibly athletic. And combined with that, of course, all that translates into uh, our, the Raptors' favorite skill, which is 6'8", 6'9", guys that can grab offensive rewards and, and, and go for footbacks. So he, he definitely checks all those boxes. I think the biggest thing about him, though, is he has he has really interesting feel for the game. And he has, like, ridiculous court vision. Like, very unexpected, very, like, wow, I, I, I didn't know he had eyes in the back of his head like that he could make those reads wrap arounds dump offs you know cross courts it's very interesting i think you know <laughs> what you think about his his handle and and it, you know your mileage may vary and and also his shot definitely needs to be reworked but i think even the stuff he showed as as a role man and and just being able to like make reads and and his offensive ability and his motor, there's just so much there. And some of the athleticism flashes are just so ridiculous that you're like, you know what? I look at the Raptors and their and their pension and their track record for being able to develop guys to shooting and develop guys' handle into at least, you know, making a functional one. Cause while I, you know, I do think by now it's not a plus ball handler by any means. But he 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 does have, you know, some wiggle when when he's catching off, you know, off the fly and he's attacking closeouts and stuff. And you know, at least he has that as a foundation. And I just think with all that youth, all that athleticism, all those special tools, um, I just think it's like a wild upside gamble. And that's why I'm in. I'm in. I'm just so intrigued uh, to see where he ends up and, and you know, if he develops at all. Just just a really, really interesting, interesting prospect. It's uh, athleticism meets motor, I think will always really. And then when they hit, everybody's like, how could we have possibly mix- missed this guy? Because... It's all about how you implement yourself at the NBA level, which is, um, you know, the whole deal. I'm going to read a little ad to you, listener, viewer. So do you want to get to the top of your game? Jack Health at www.jack.health is an online service for men's health that handles the doctor's appointment, the prescription and the shipping, which, by the way, is free. All you need to do is stay at home and relax. They've got stuff for sexual health, daily health, hair and skin, you name it. Order what you want, fill out some questions, and get it shipped straight to you. Skip having to lay out all your medical issues in the clinic waiting room and keep your private business private. Free shipping and easy prescriptions. Boost your game and do it all from the privacy of your own home at www.jack.health. I'm curious, is there, is there, we've talked about Jalen, but as far as like bigs, bigs, there's like Coloco, there's, I guess, Kessler, which I know people are lower on, there's Kamagate. Are you guys leaning, like we did talk about Jalen, yes, but are you guys leaning towards expecting a wing picked in this draft? Are you expecting a guard? Like if, if you had to put on the hat of like, um, what is it, clairvoyant Bill from the Grantland days and uh, you had to try and guess what the Raptors do, do you have uh, any expectations? And we'll, we'll start with you, Goose. I think it would be a wing or a big. I would be kind of surprised if they took a guard because this is – not Eric Flynn is throwing a fit if they if they pick a well, guard. Well, he, he he would yeah he would be happy if they don't. Well, yeah. but yeah, I don't think I don't think this is a good draft for guards, especially uh, ones that kind of fit the Raptors play style. Like they brought in Nemhard 
uh, Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga for, uh, you know, for a workout, but, and, you know, Nick Nurse knows him from the Team Canada stuff, but I really, he would have similar issues as Malachi does on the roster in terms of, like, when your team does kind of bad at pick and roll, it kind of limits the amount of guards that you can bring in and have them, like, be effective players for you. Trey, do you have any uh, clairvoyant Trey? I, I would say they're probably going to pick a, a wing as well. Um, like Goose said, it's a pretty bad guard draft. Um, and, in, and in general, we have um, – I know Scotty and, and Pascal um, could be considered like wing-type players, but we have no designated wings on the team. Utah's pro- probably supposed to do, do that thing and didn't really hit his shots. Um, we need um, – to maintain like this vision, we need plus size that actually can shoot and provide spacing there. There's a few guys that can do that, like Christian Braun, um, Barlow to a degree that can provide that spacing. And like, um, like Nabil said, a Cam Johnson's type of role where we maintain our defensive um, versatility and ability to switch everything, but still add some plus shooting to um, the situation that we have. You, you brought up a really interesting thing and Cam Johnson is, was picked way higher than people expected because he was quite old coming out of the draft and is there an older player in the draft who you guys perceive as like that guy's gonna be a leaguer you know like he he'll be oh yeah yeah go ahead trey who, who do you have on who do you have in mind Londis williams if he, if, he, if he was not if he was not an old man he would be a top 15 pick in my opinion so, so what's the what's the sell on alondis um very good athlete gets to the rim at well he he can finish at the rim. He's a very very good passer. the The swing skill that's going to be for for him that probably determines if he's going to be a, a starter or not is his shooting. And if he can figure that out, I, I think he's going to be a huge plus. I know like teams like the Warriors have worked worked out with him who struggle with rim pressure. If he's actually able to like use that athleticism or like in, even in a maxi sort of state, work off of another um, uh, perimeter player and attack tilts. He's, he's going to be able to, to have him pack off the bench. Anybody else have uh, some surefire guys that you think like maybe, maybe they're not worth the swing to you. You want to aim higher, but you think that they're going to, they're going to stick. I don't have a surefire guy, but just to riff off what goose said, I'd love to see us draft Nemhard only to see Eric Flynn's uh, <laughs> impending Facebook post <laughs> and just rage and disappointment. But no, yeah, um, I I like Alondis Williams quite a bit. I think that'd be a I'd I'd love to get a guy like him, um, you know, j- just that scoring upside. And I think he's like a bucket getter from day one in the league, um, you know. And I I you know echoed the sentiments of Goose as well. Um, I only wanted to mention that uh, in terms of what I think we're gonna do, Dominic Barlow and Kofi Coburn are repped by Pascal's agent. Like they're all under that mm-hmm. same agency. So you you always well, know the agents. You always know the trainers, man. Follow them, man. You you'd be surprised. You you'd be very very surprised. I'm telling you, it happens, man. Someone you know, sign my guy. I'll 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 make sure I'll I'll be reasonable in my other players. You know, contract negotiations when time comes up. It, I'm telling you, it happens. No, that's that's my that's my that's my conspiracy bill take. Not clairvoyant mm, bill. Right. I'm bringing right. that up. But um, no, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Kobe Coburn's interesting. Not a fan, but like I would not be shocked if he ends up being like an undrafted guy in camp or something like that. Kessler Edwards, who you mentioned, is interesting because I think 
the Raptors sent like scouts to like five, six Auburn games this year, from what I read. And I find that very, very interesting. I do Maybe they were they were going to the wrong Jalen Williams game. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> So but, um, th- my my question is, sorry, Nabil, but uh, I'm curious about like Goose. You brought up Nimhard and how he would maybe be like a tough fit on the Raptors. Just if anybody has an expectation of a player that you kind of you like a lot, but you think would actually be a poor fit for the Raptors, like you think, oh yeah, that's probably not going to go so well. And then maybe a player who you think that their limitations would be papered over a la Delano Banton and the the stronger parts of ga- their game would be allowed to flourish does if we're talking about fit specifically not best player available who do we think about really great fits and and really poor fits um uh great fit I would probably say Jake Laravia from Wake Forest um fits with the Raptors do um long can play the three or the four um, hit some shots to agree. And he's actually a really good cutter. Him and Lalandis were able to work really well off each other and finish. And if we do lose Boucher, we're probably losing the one real downhill threat that we have off of um, Pascal mid-pulse action. And he could fit a lot of what um, Boucher was doing. Um, poor fits that I think are still going to be good is probably um, Dallin Terry. Dallin Terry's a really good defender. He can't really shoot currently. I know there's some upside with the catch and shoot um, numbers that he had, but it's only like 60 attempts. Um, he basically does a lot of what Delano already does, maybe a bit more athleticism where he can really work well in transition, pass the ball, get downhill at, at times and turn the corner. But I don't think he necessarily fits what we need as a, a wing in terms of adding some extra spacing or could actually run like um, a second unit and fill that backup point guard position. Mm-hmm. Those those guys are always tough fits because that's kind of like where the the Delon Wright comes into it, right? Is you're not getting that that plus volume, but you're also you're getting plus ball handling, but not at the level where you would want to take the ball out of better ball handlers. And it's also tough to fit them into those lineups. And then obviously the the plus defense as well is interesting. I know Delano and Delon have a, a few people who kind of comp them as far as maybe outcome um does anybody else have any fits or great fits slash bad fits that uh they they like i have a question with the fits do you consider it a bad fit if they're like a bad defender and you're like okay well this guy has he can contribute on offense but nick nurse will never play him is that is that is that a thing yeah i would i would consider i i don't want to i don't want to echo the dogma of the fan base too much here and like say like Donovan Mitchell can't be our ninth man or something like that. (laughs) But I, uh, I do think they have to be quite like a very strong offensive presence to kind of offset any um, downside on defense. I think that's probably, does anybody else have, have qualms with that? Is that kind of how you would answer that too? Yeah, I I would, I would say the same. Um, We, we, we've seen it a, a few times. Um, Armani Brooks did did have some run, but at any time where he got killed in back to back possessions, Nick Nurse sat him down immediately. Even though like he at times was maybe one of three spacers on our team. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's actually a really yeah. good point. Is that when Gary was shooting what was it twenty nine percent and Fred was shooting like twenty seven percent from three uh, post All Star break? 
Nick was not, he wasn't like, no, we're not bringing the shooters in. Like, Pascal, you're going to grind, see what we get. Yeah, that, that makes sense too. Uh, Nabil, uh, or Goose, actually, just to go back, like, with these new considerations, what are your thoughts? I think the last guy I can remember who was mostly bad at defense and Nick, like, kept a long leash on him was Terrence Davis. I, I think, who, I who's think that? You no, I'm just <laughs> Redacted, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Is uh, Terrence Davis would be kind of the the outcome, I guess, you're hoping for in terms of, well, his defense isn't great, but he tries, and then Nick trusts him to do stuff on offense. I don't know. Delano wasn't the greatest defender this year either, but he didn't get that much playing time, so it's kind of, a, it's kind of iffy, yeah. which is why I was curious what you guys thought. Yeah, th- that makes sense. Nabil, do you have any uh, any fit takes? It's okay if you don't. I thought I thought Goose Goose has made the most sense, and that's what resonated with me with with Nemhard. Um, I think he's best. I actually really like Nemhard. I'm I'm fairly high on Nemhard myself, but I agree. Uh, I think he'd function uh, best in an offense that has high high uh, you know pick and roll usage, so he can make all those reads and and really operate out of that. And the Raptors obviously don't have that, uh, or, or don't you know run that as much as you know some of the other teams in the league. So I think that that would be a bad fit, but I don't necessarily. In fact, you know, I actually think he's quite a good player. I I, I really like him a lot. I think I was thinking about this actually. Older guys not don't have the greatest tools, aren't that athletic. Recent and you know, while he does have good size, doesn't have you know any sort of ability or outlier sort of attribute that would allow him to be like a plus finisher at the rim, especially at the NBA level. And I was thinking of guys like, you know. Uh, Malachi Flynn, you know, Jalen Brunson and stuff. And he is bigger than than all both of those guys, uh, height-wise, wingspan-wise. And I think he's also a better passer than both of them to, to a certain degree. I think Malachi was much more of like a, a, a pull-up uh, type of point guard um, at the college level, uh, especially when he was at San Diego State. And, you know, Brunson, obviously, a very decorated college player and turned out to be a, a, an excellent NBA player. But I think I think Nemhard, um, he's he's got a mid range and a floater game. I think that that that's quite underrated, and I think that is what sort of sets him apart from the Malachi Flynn's of the world of of guards who who can't really get to the brim. And yeah, I think he's shown a willingness to be a catch and shoot guy too. So he he does have potential, even though that release is a little low. But but he does have the potential to, to be an off ball guy as well. But yeah, I think any team that gets him that runs a ton of pick and roll i think we'll get like a really really high-end backup guard at the very least i think uh in the league by taking him mm. okay i think we're in the the final throws of the podcast and that brings us to the the final aspect of it between wesley williams and houston everybody's number one pick um everybody take your guy and try and convince me why he should be selected over the other two and uh, i guess we'll start with trey first Okay. Um, one, um, my guy's actually going to play. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you said it. Um, um, Jalen Williams um, allows us to play drop, which I think is really important. The last few championship teams have been all drop based. Um, he's passing bigs, really helping a half court scenario. We're seeing it in, in these finals. It's very difficult to get to the rim. So a big that actually can get downhill and pass, maybe hit a push shot as well, adding maybe eight to 10 points is a big difference in a series. And um, we're getting someone that is that 
probably won't miss as a as a pick. He's going to provide some value. He's going to be a at worst a backup big for us. And um, lastly, there there is some upside as as a shooter. The Raptors have Precious Achua shot thirty six percent last year, so there there is some upside because he has really good touch around the rim. And if he's able to to shoot and maybe even expand it further out from there from mid range. Um, I think he could be a starter in the league. Like I personally think he's a top 20 player, but he's going to go in the second round. Hmm. That's a good sell. Uh, Goose, Wesley, what's the, what's the deal? When you have a guy that has plus athletic tools, the ability to score at all three levels is a good defender and is a positive playmaker. I think that's a really valuable player to have. And I think, I think Wesley has all those parts to this game. So it's just about coming to the Raptors and putting it together. And like I mentioned before, he I he was pretty impressive to me defensively. Like his stats aren't great, but like he's very disciplined and he's like always engaged on that end, which is kind of rare for like a scorer type. So I think he would also play for the Raptors. So my pitch is that he has a bit more of an exciting upside than the other two. And he's a bit more uh fills more of a need. I guess than the other two with his uh, rim pressure and his ability to eventually shoot and like punch gaps and uh, maybe make some plays out of pick and roll and stuff. So yeah, that's that's my pitch. That's a good one. The Raptors, one of the most well, it's kind of funny because Trey brought up you know getting to the rim via good interior passing from a big man like this this release valve that you toss it into and start running actions off of, which is you know the Raptors found success with with Thad at times to kind of outskirt what what Embiid was doing just parked in the paint, but then you're providing the the other answer that they weren't able to call upon in their series, which is. They swing the ball, you know, they go like side, top, side. Is that guy a shooter? Can he get all the way to the rim? And if it wasn't OG or Precious, the answer was no. And one of those guys is your big. So that makes it um, having like Wesley there, you know, maybe puts the ball on the ground, maybe gets all the way. That's that's really interesting too. Nabil, uh, Houston, what's what's the pitch? What's the sell? Size and shooting, baby. Size and shooting. That's the bat. Um, today's NBA size and shooting goes a long way. Um, coupled that with his youth, all the flashes and potential he's shown uh, in high school, internationally, and in college to to be able to you know develop some off the dribble stuff. Uh, so it's more a consistent part of his game. Um, some secondary playmaking chops as well, uh, which would you know sort of address the question we had earlier in the pod about you know uh, movement shooters in today's NBA, especially in the playoffs, their ability to get schemed. Uh, you know, off the floor and becoming effective, especially if they're not, you know, good individual defenders. Uh, I also, you know, believe in in Caleb Houston's, you know, team defense and his, and his positional defense, even though I think he might struggle in, you know, nurse's system at first. But, you know, I, I, I feel fairly confident that he'd be able to get caught up to speed. And then just all the sort of brand equity and, and, and pedigree he has. He was a, you know, a top 10 guy in his class, uh, in, his, in his high school recruiting class uh did well you know on the international circuit so i think and obviously in, in, in high school as well he put on a stack team and and thrive so you know all those you know factors you know contributing would would sort of sell my uh sell caleb houston as uh, the pick i didn't expect brand equity to make it in the podcast but you we did you it. brought it in yeah <laughs> we did it there's like you know the the streamers start coming down like it's like yes um <laughs> Before we get out of here, everybody, you know, you get a chance. If if you think there's somebody we didn't get to cover properly or just a name you want to throw out there so that if the Raptors do end up drafting them, 
we can clip this and say you're a genius. Um, uh, we'll start with Nabil. Uh, I guess finishing thoughts on this year's draft and maybe some guys you find interesting or that we didn't talk about enough. Uh, yeah, there's there's one guy we didn't talk about. I think he's going to submit his name last second. Samson Folk, uh, <laughs> potential prospect. Would love to grab him for the refs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen that guy hoop. No. Um, not getting a second contract, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, I think I think this draft is 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 relatively weak, uh, uh, you know, especially compared to, to prior years, and especially compared to the, the most recent draft class we had. Um, but I think with this draft, what I'm finding just reading stuff and listening to you guys and, and consuming all the content around it is is I think there are there's definitely value to be found. Um, there's a lot of guys that that people really really love, and, and sort of like you know, quote unquote, it's their guy, and and you know, they're, they're really hitching their, their wagon to them. And, and there's a lot of thoughtful analysis on, on specific guys, you know, like the Jalen Williams, um, who else, you know, Dominic Barlow has been getting some, you know, buzz, especially, you know, on the back end of, of people who kind of want like that speculative upside pick, uh, Ryan Rollins, David Roddy, all guys that are solid to go in the second round, even Trevor Keels, uh, Jalen Williams, the one from, uh, Santa Clara as well. Not, not the, not the big man, Jalen Williams. So I think, yeah, despite it being a weaker draft class, I think, you know, there, there's there's a lot of interesting guys that I'm intrigued by that I think could carve out NBA careers, but may not have, you know, the upside as your Brandon Boston's of last year or, or something like that. Like one of those second round guys with, with youth and upside. Hmm. Well put. Well put. Uh, Goose, what's uh, and any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, I did want to bring up Bryce McAllen's because I... Right. I, I, I am, I am a fan of his game, and I think that he'd be really interesting. But at, like I mentioned before with the defense, I find it hard to look at him and say, like, oh, that's a guy the Raptors would draft because he's a hooper <laughs> that, that doesn't defend. But I think if you're looking at him in terms of, like, a project where you have this 6'7 six, six, athletic wing who can be, like, a three-level scorer, I think, I think you can mold him to be, like, a really great complement to what Scotty and Pascal are able to create. So I, that would be my pitch for McGowan's is just drafting him with uh, all of his offense in mind and just molding the rest of his game to really fit a guy that would help the Raptors. Hmm. Yeah, great. Bryce McGowan, I know, yeah, as you, as you were saying to me, Lewis is uh, infatuated yeah. with McGowan's. I, I know quite a few people who are. I guess the, the draft is coming up in like 10 day, nine Next days week. at this point. Yeah. Well, I guess by the time this podcast comes out, there might not be that much time, but I'll probably end up talking McGowan's with somebody else at some point. But yeah, good call out. Trey, final thoughts, brother. Hmm. I, I think um, someone that we haven't talked about is probably Wendell Moore. I could see the mm. Raptors drafting him as well. He's a plus defender. He knows the player's role. There's some shooting upside as well. I could see one day him being a one of the guys in the second round that become a starter on a team because he does everything right. He is a generalist. There isn't any plus or any um, outlier skill like Goose loves, but um, he he is able to um, impact the game. He's defends at a, a decent level, um, shows some passing ability and is a good finisher, especially in transition. So I do think he's one of those guys in like a, a Justin Champagne um, situation where he does everything well. So he finds himself on the court 
probably immediately as a rookie and then develops from there to add maybe like um high level shooting and becomes a starter down the road. Mm. Very, very interesting. Um, before we get out of here, uh, the listeners, I unfortunately, fellas, I don't want to give three different plug sections. So I'm going to do all you guys uh, at once. So if, if you liked what Trey said, you can find him on Twitter at Heath underscore check. Heath is spelled the same as you can see on screen. If you're a listener, H E A T H. If you're trying to follow goose, that is at Hoop Goose. Yes, the the <laughs> the gaggle will grow after the podcast, hopefully. And if you like what Nabil was talking about, at Pack Attack, P-A-K-H-A-T-T-A-K. And all these guys can be found musing online about basketball, the draft, the NBA, all that kind of stuff. And I want to thank every single one of you for hopping on. This is the first podcast I've done like this. And I think it went swimmingly. And that is mostly because of the professionalism and the insights that you fellas brought here. So thank you, everybody. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> Always happy to be on with the fellas. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Listener, uh, viewer, whichever it is. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to get out of here. So, uh, take care.